Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Quacks Podcast. So today I have a long-awaited interview guest with Hans Amato. Now, I messaged Hans, I don't know, like a year ago or so uh, for this interview, but it was not the right time. Uh, He was right in the middle of moving, so we decided to put it off until finally today uh, that I am happy to present this to you. Now, to give you a bit of background on Hans... I first ran into him on the Ray Pete forum where he would post supplement protocols, studies, articles, uh, that kind of thing that was very much in line with classic Ray Pete diet theory, uh, meaning things like milk, metabolism, thyroid, many other topics in that same vein. Now, he's been doing that now for years. Uh, he's also has a coaching practice and has a following of people who he has helped get healthy using Ray Pete's principles of a healthy metabolism. And on his website, menelite.com, he creates step-by-step solutions to optimize the body, mind, and spirit for anyone who wants high achievement and high performance. Now, one quick note before the interview. I was recently banned on YouTube. Uh, No reason was given. They just said I had severe and repeated violations of the community guidelines. Uh, So if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I guess you know what that's about. I don't. Um, Thankfully, I appealed and they unbanned me. Uh, They said it was a mistake. So given that I am obviously on some type of watch list, if you are listening to this on YouTube, please consider subscribing on a podcast player uh, on your phone just in case I do get booted again. Uh, so, for example, this would be like Apple Podcast. Uh, Android has their own podcast player. Uh, there's a bunch of podcast apps. Like uh, I use uh, Pocket Casts, which is great. It's very easy. You just type quacks into the search field on any of these apps, and the show will pop up. Uh, The nice thing about podcast apps is it lets you listen to it in your car, and most apps come with pretty cool features like silence trimmers. So if there is a pause like that, it will automatically cut that out, and you won't even hear it. Uh, It makes listening to podcasts very easy. You can speed up the playback, which just makes, you know, longer podcasts whiz by. Uh, So anyway, please consider subscribing on a podcast player if you are listening on YouTube, just in case. Lastly... If I do get booted off everything, meaning SoundCloud, YouTube, Spotify, everything, uh, the email list on my website would be how I would start the show again under some new banner. So uh, if you haven't done it already, head over to quackspodcast.com, scroll down, put your email in there, and that is how I would contact you if the worst happened. So as far as the interview goes, there are some great nuggets here with Hans. Enjoy. All right, Hans. I'm excited to talk with you, man. Uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, man. I'm, a, I'm also excited for this podcast. So I think we've had a few conversations on Ray Pete Forum, but I actually don't know much about you other than you are from South Africa and you have a uh, history of athleticism. There's some great pictures of you on your website. <laughs> so uh, let's start off. How did you get into the health world? How did you get into all this stuff? Well, um, basically, we um, after my wife and I got married, we wanted to start our own business, and I was kind of like forced to, <laughs> because like um, so yeah, we wanted to start the business in health, and um, so then obviously you have to continue to do research, and um, I must say we've been doing this for about five years now, um, six actually, and um, so basically when we just started out. I wasn't really into health. I was more into lifting, as you said, I was into athleticism or something like that. But honestly, (laughs) I was just lifting weights and doing a little bit of Parker. I wasn't really being very athletic. Um, So I was just interested in getting big. And um, so there was the family business. We went to work there for a little bit. And that's when I really started to um, realize that I'm very interested in how the body works. And then when we started our own business, it was just the snowball effect of continuing to do more research and learning more and more, uh, discovering more people, discovering more work. And um, I guess it, everything just grew to here. And then, yeah, so I would just say I had a natural, um, uh, what's the right word? Like a, um, <laughs> trying to translate it. Affinity. <laughs> this is escaping me. Yeah, like the affinity for um, just health in general, like how the body works. And yeah, I, I'd say, yeah, so I, I never had a health problem. That's why I got into it. I was just uh, naturally attracted to it. Okay, so you didn't have any health challenges or anything like that that you were trying to tackle. You were just more interested in kind of optimizing your health? 
Yes, exactly. We were interested in optimizing whatever that meant back in the day. Um, but yeah, I did get health problems later on um, as things got like difficult, stressful. And so, yeah, I started out without health problems as far as I knew of. And um, things got rough and shaky and stuff. And um, yeah, we got out of that. So it wasn't all smooth ridings. What uh, what kind of rough, and, I mean, if you don't mind sharing, <clears throat> what kind of uh, rough and shaky stuff did you have? I mean, was that health related or was it life related? Yeah, it was life related that that uh, leaked over into health related stuff. So um, basically stuff didn't, um, like when we started the business, it wasn't like, you know, making lots of money <laughs> right away. You know what I mean? Sure. It takes time. And we, we took some gambles right away. So um yeah, probably not the smartest moves that you should make when actually starting a new business. Anyway, so life got a little bit shaky and that transitioned over to, uh, or that led out to, you know, what we were able to eat and the circumstances we were living in. And those kind of stuff affected our health really negatively. And that created a lot of problems. But as things improved, you know, you can improve your diet, you can improve your living circumstances. And uh, yeah, we just recovered out of that. So that, that's kind of like how it went. All right. Mostly. What, what, uh, what is your personal diet like and what kind of experiments have you done? Well, um, it's kind of like being all over the place. So, uh, I can say that I've never really been onto some kind of mainstream diet. So, um, because I was interested in building muscle, um, I, I never followed really anyone that was into the ketogenic diet. So first of all, I was, um, when I was still in university, this is really when I started to, to um, become aware of how you should eat to a degree because I was re- reading lean gains. So he was talking about intermittent fasting and you should have a big meal after workout. And that's kind of like the first time I thought like, okay, you should eat protein, you should eat carbohydrates. And since I was interested in building muscle, I was always, um, always eating kind of like a balanced diet while I was, I didn't really know anything. So um, going forward, I started to learn about Vince Gironda. Obviously he had the uh, beef and egg diet. He had some really interesting ideas with like 36 eggs and um, egg shakes and all those kind of stuff. But he was mostly also um, like low carb. So I did that for about a little while. And I was also reading a little bit of Mercola. So there's a little bit of Mercola in there as well. Um, (laughs) But after like a few weeks, I think I did it for like a, a month or two. I really didn't start to feel good, um, you know, mostly like stress responses and struggling to build muscle and really feeling like on edge, like like a stress response generally this was a all the time. a diet you were doing? Yeah, yeah. I was doing Venturanda, like those egg shakes, like zero carb. I was doing <laughs> zero carb. That was awful. And um, yeah, that was about two, two months. And then I transitioned out of that into pea diet and I was consuming uh, lots of raw milk. So as I mentioned, I was like going, like my diet's like been all over the place. Like I've been on the raw milk diet. Like if you know about the milk diet, that's when you consume only milk and that kind of like fixes a lot of people's problems. So we tried that out for a while. Uh, it was very high fat. So I, I gained a lot of fat, <laughs> not a lot, but, but uh, quite a bit. And um, then I think I settled on ground beef and potatoes uh for a long while so that was kind of like a year or two that i kind of like settled on that one and that worked quite really good for me so that helped me to, to transition out of uh, the stress state so i was really in a not so good state and eating that really helped with stress responses um keeping blood sugar stable helping me build muscle uh, keeping my temperatures warm keeping anxiety low uh, keeping my mood up those kind of stuff so um that's kind of like uh, i was having like how much was i having i think like a little bit more than a pound of ground beef, 1.5 kilos of potato, a lot of salt, um, and aspirin. <laughs> that was the, the, the things that really helped me. And then uh, I actually wanted to switch over to fruits, but um, fruits are more expensive and stuff like that. So um, we couldn't really transition to that soon enough. But uh, as that came about, I was switching more over to, because I always loved dairy, milk specifically, lots of milk, um, eggs, fruit smoothies, those kind of stuff. So I've been mostly consuming milk because I, I find it quite difficult to get off of it. <laughs> like when I consume about one liter, I find that's the minimum that my body wants. It wants always wants more. So I'm, I feel best at like two liters, but currently I'm consuming up to six liters because I'm again interested in building a lot of muscle. So I'm wow. giving this a shot where I'm just having like one and a half gallons of milk on a daily basis with fruit and um, yolks. 
And a little bit of gelatin. So my protein is like 220 grams, carbohydrates around 500 grams, fats around 80 grams. So that's kind of like what I'm doing at the moment. And as I mentioned, it's been like a little bit all over the place. Sometimes I'm having more meat and organ meat. Sometimes I'm on a milk only diet and I'm basically going by craving. So every time someone asks me like, what are you eating? It's like, it doesn't really matter what I tell you because my diet's going to change all the time. Today I'm eating six oysters, tomorrow I'm eating eight. You know, there's no mm. specific guideline to the, the specific diet that I'm doing. You just, I just go by what I crave. So at the moment I don't feel I have any salt cravings. I don't have any meat cravings. So um, yeah, I'm just rolling with my cravings basically. Wow. That is a lot of milk, a gallon and a half. And that's, <laughs> is that 2%, 1%? Is that goat milk? What kind of milk is that? That That's just normal milk. Um, I found a good brand. They pasteurize it at like 72 degrees so it's not like fully pasteurized so it has a nice taste to it it's one percent um i'm not exactly sure what cows they use but but it's i'm pretty sure it's a1 a2 mix um i do completely fine on that my bowels is very happy i'm drinking uh, 500 milliliters of milk every hour on the hour to make sure that i'm consuming all of that so yeah i basically much um i'm full all the time (laughs) peeing a lot (laughs) but uh that's basically like the price you have to pay, or at least I'm enjoying this. I, I don't mind, you know, I'm working from home. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I do what's necessary. It's pretty interesting. The potato and beef diet is really close. I mean, I, I basically did that for a year and a half or maybe a year and I felt great on that. It was either potatoes and beef or rice and beef uh, and sometimes beans. And that was like the low vitamin A diet that I just, I mean, I felt great on. So it's interesting that you did that for a couple of years because that's very, I mean, that has very low amounts of fat soluble vitamins and and other things like that. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah, honestly, I did feel very good on it, Um, except for the starches, like the potatoes, it was still gut irritating. I did peel it. Um, I think so that helped a lot, but I still felt, um, I think some mild degree to brain fog. I had some back knee, I had some skin problems. I had some eye irritation. So that was kind of, there were still some minor symptoms that I was experiencing. So I really wanted to get off of the starch. And, um, but yeah, it really served a good purpose of um, helping me build muscle, getting out of the stress reaction, optimizing my metabolism, I would say. Okay. So, you know, it sounds like you're jumping around all the time. You're, you're trying different things. You're trying to figure things out and you've kind of settled on something that's working for you. Do you have an overarching philosophy um, that you've come to that you follow that you think is the right way? I would say there's a few things um, when it comes to myself and helping other people. It's always like, um, I would say the most important thing is gut. Make sure your gut is healthy and happy. It's not irritated. Always when people come to me, it's like, oh, I have brain fog. I don't feel good. Um, my mood's depressed. Um, it's like, okay, what? how does your bowel feel? So, well, I'm fine. I'm having a few bowel movements today. It's like, okay, what are you eating? Well, I'm having like brown rice. I'm having rye bread, all of those stuff. So, okay, let's eliminate those. And then within a few days, it's like, wow, I feel so much better. So um, first it's for me, like, let's make sure your gut is happy. So whatever that is for the specific person, if you can eat like whole grain, awesome. But um, for most people that actually irritates the gut. So the gut is so important. That's why I focused on first and foremost. Then it spills over before, to... Before we go on, what, how would somebody know if their gut is irritated? Well, um, let's say, okay, so first of all, you have mental symptoms. Like um, you might have mild anhedonia, mild depression, mild anxiety even, um, some skin problems, brain fog, um, achy joints maybe, your bowel movement. You might be a little bit bloated. That's common. A little bit of water retention. Um, your bowels might be a little bit like not hard enough. You know, it's like a wipe and wipe and wipe situation. Hmm. Um, that's kind of like the symptoms that I would go for. A little eye irritation. Yeah, that's kind of like the, the typical symptoms that I'm looking for. Okay, great. Go ahead then. All right. So um, the calories is next one. Make sure someone is eating enough calories. That's typically like when you have cold hands and feet, when you don't feel as energized that you can be. You also, and I'm just talking like kind of like at a personal experience, like when um, when I had anxiety, your mood's not optimal. It's like, okay, well, I'm probably not eating enough for like, if you if you skip a few meals, you don't eat enough in one day, that's fine. But if that continues for like a week or so, you will start to experience negative symptoms. So calories is then second for me. And then it also goes into macronutrients. So um, when you eat a lot of carbohydrates on their own, uh, this is like that a lot of this stuff is very inter-individual. So what, what works for me might not work for someone else, but let's say I'm living on a 
high carb diet alone, like low protein, I will not feel optimal. So that's why I think like I did really good on the, uh, the ground beef and potatoes. It's because it was a good balance of protein. Like um, I would say like a difficult to digest protein in a sense, like it's not like whey or something um, with a good starch uh, with salt. So all of those stuff is really, um, yeah, this is just a good macro ratio for me. So some people, when they have too much protein, too little carbs, they don't feel good. When they have too much carbs and too little protein, they don't feel good. When they have enough carbs and protein, but not enough fat, they will be hungry all the time and have also problems. So um, I think it's a good idea to start like a, what do they call it? I think it's a zone diet with just like 33% of all your macros like balanced. And then you can kind of like tweak your macronutrients from there. So I find that I do generally well with a more balanced diet um, with the carbohydrates going to the higher side. Um, the other, uh, this is quite a while ago, I tried um, to drop my carbohydrates just a little bit. And I think it was down to 200 grams, just a bit, little bit below 200 grams. And uh, consistently, I wasn't feeling good. I wasn't feeling optimal and bumped it back up to like um, 400 grams, felt amazing. So um, I don't know. I think I just started to adapt to really higher carbohydrate intake. And regardless of my fat intake, um, there's, I think there's a, I can actually do it relatively good with either high fat or relatively low fat, as long as my, my uh, protein and carbohydrates are where I want them to be. But yeah, I, I prefer to have my fats around like 80, 80 grams. That's kind of like my sweet spot. And I would say that's kind of like the, um, the things that I would look for right away. Then you can obviously go more into detail with the diet. Like let's look at the micronutrients. If someone has all of those stuff in check and they're not feeling good, like let's look at the micronutrients. Like I've seen some really atrocious diets <laughs> with people lacking micronutrients like crazy, like the vitamins and minerals. That's very important because all of your enzymes in the body require uh, the vitamins and minerals as cofactors to produce like the stuff that's supposed to happen in the body, whether it be energy, hormones, all of those stuff need the vitamins and minerals. So that's kind of like just the basic approach that I would take um, in kind of like the most important order. Okay. So it's, uh, you know, if you have a new coaching client, it's gut first, then the amount of calories, make sure that they have the right amount of calories and then make sure their mic uh, their macronutrients are balanced well. Yes. And then also the micronutrients last. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's kind of like it. And obviously like lifestyle, but uh, yeah, that was just for diet. Yeah, what what do you like for the gut? You know, obviously you mentioned uh, cutting grains out and cutting irritating things out of the diet. I, I think most people don't think of grains as irritating. I, I think grains are, are probably a big staple of most people's diet. So that's probably new information to a lot of people who aren't uh, familiar to repeat. But what other things would you do to kind of help the gut out? Well, um, the way I like it is just, very easy to digest food and this can be difficult for people because you know easy to digest food could be fruit or meat and that's kind of like food that people have to prep and they don't really do it well they don't have to prep fruit obviously but <laughs> um so make sure your diet's very easy to digest uh, the food you have no trouble with it and like i just like to eliminate but it, uh, this, this is quite difficult because i've been doing this for a few years mm. so i know what what works for me and what not so let's eliminate kind of like the most problematic foods. So you go with grains and the starches. I would say starch is actually a pretty big one, whether it be kind of like from coming from grains or beans or something like that, or potatoes. Um, so people does have a non-gluten sensitivity, like they have a starch specific sensitivity. Um, they can also be sensitive to FODMAP. And this, like, there's so many different fermentable fibers that you have to identify which specific FODMAP food you are sensitive to and then eliminate those. So that takes experimentation. Uh, dairy is actually quite a common one for a lot of people uh, because they are mostly sensitive to the A1. People think, oh, I'm lactose uh, intolerant. But actually, if you switch to an A2, your inflammation drops and you can actually start to tolerate lactose. So that inflammation produces food sensitivities that you can actually get rid of if you reduce the inflammation. So, yeah, the biggest offenders would basically be grains, uh, high fiber. Actually, specifically, I don't think it really matters where that fiber is coming from. I've just encountered this a lot that people have just, if they eat too much fiber, that's a problem. Um, and then dairy and then FODMAP. And then you get obviously the more specific sensitivities like histamine or oxalates or salicylic acids and stuff like that. Um, yeah, that's kind of like, when it comes to the gut, it's just the diet is going to make the biggest difference. And um, no, no matter what kind of supplement you're going to take, it's not going to have that much of a big of an impact. 
compared to the food that you can consume. But there is one supplement that I really, really like for the gut, and it's just activated charcoal. Hmm. And a lot of people, when they use that, they immediately experience like, or not immediately, like the next day, they experience like, oh, my head is clearer, um, my sinus are less, I'm having less skin issues, my bowels are happier, having legs bloating. So yeah, activated charcoal, so, uh, I'm a fan of that one. Yeah, I've uh, I've actually taken activated charcoal for quite a long time. It is one of those things, just like you said, the next day you feel like, wow, I just feel lighter and better. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about your website and all the different protocols that you have. You, I think you're kind of well known for putting out posts that you know have a protocol for anxiety or depression or uh, you know serotonin syndrome. You know you put out these protocols. So let's kind of go through some of the most popular ones and uh, just talk about it. So let's start with the brain. A lot of people, a lot of people are obsessed with you know how do I get more focus? You know, why do I have brain fog? Kind of like you mentioned. So what have you found is really crucial to getting more performance out of your brain? Well, this is kind of like what we already discussed. First of all, it's just make sure your gut is happy. That's going to have the biggest influence, especially if someone comes to me, I have anxiety or I have brain fog. I need more focus. Okay. I think you have something in the diet that's irritating your gut and that is producing some kind of toxin that is slowing down your brain. So any kind of micro or low-grade inflammation is negatively influencing your energy production, brain function, and that can either like drop your IQ, give your brain fog, your processing speed is slow, um, all of those kind of stuff. So first of all, let's just elim- make sure your diet is in a really good place. All right. It's not gut irritating at all. So for example, activated charcoal. And then uh, let's have some carbohydrates. Let's make sure you are properly fueled, you have enough calories, you have carbohydrates. Oftentimes, when like (laughs) i'm pretty sure you've also seen this quite a lot it's like oh i've been eating more carbohydrates i feel fantastic so i I think a lot of people is not eating enough of the the quality carbohydrates i think there's too much emphasis on the complex kind of carbohydrates which is very difficult for your body to extract the proper nutrients from like the 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 calories from so if you can just give your body like fruit juice that's kind of like like uh, that's the proper brain fuel so your brain loves glucose it burns glucose very fast to produce energy and if your cells aren't properly energized it can't produce the neurotransmitters effectively it can't regulate the neurotransmitters effectively it can't respond to the neurotransmitters effectively if you don't have enough energy you can't even express neurogenesis effectively so all of these people when they take supplements to upregulate neurogenesis it's not going to do anything if your cell is not in a good state if your energy production is not in a good state so um I just really like to focus on let's first optimize your cellular function and energy production, and then we can start to micromanage because um, I've basically when I started out on my website, I really, I think I micromanaged, like let's look at serotonin, let's look at dopamine, let's look at all of these things in isolation. And then you start to realize like dopamine is influenced by all of these things. Serotonin is influenced by all of these things. They're all integrated and they're working in different areas of the brain and all of this kind of stuff. So it, it feels like, you know, if you have to micromanage someone like that, it's too complicated to really get a, uh, a solution from them straight out the gate. So let's take a shotgun approach. You know, let's fix the gut. Let's, let's make sure you've got some your macronutrients coming in. You have micronutrients to support the enzymatic functions. Um, we eliminate toxins that might be inhibiting um, proper mitochondrial function. And... Uh, we basically, yeah, let's remove all the metabolic breaks, you know, whether it be stress, nitric oxide, um, too much polyunsaturated fatty acids, hypothyroidism, those kind of stuff. So I, I forgot to mention thyroid, like thyroid's like so important when it comes to energy production. So that's also one of the first things that I look at. Um, so, so when it comes to energy production and optimizing cellular function, so um, the cells are... Um, how can I put this? So polyunsaturated fatty acids are very fluid. They make the cell more chaotic and leaky. So your cells can't really function very good. So obviously the, the accumulation of polyunsaturated fats take a long time to accumulate, but they especially accumulate in the brain. And that's where energy production really starts to suffer and you start to get problems. Now, um, if you have saturated fat and monounsaturated fat, that can help to displace the polyunsaturated fats and again enhance normal mitochondrial function. So that's kind of like the first step that I would go for if you want to optimize your cellular function, eliminate polyunsaturated fats or any kind of toxin that might be in abundance like 
iron or some kind of heavy metal. And then there's also a nice supplement that I like, paracetam, that's also been shown to enhance um, cellular function. Also, actually, there's another one that I don't think a lot of people know about, adamantane, that also enhances cellular structure and integrity. So your body can enhance energy production better. And then I would just like, okay, so this is the cell. And then we go into the cell where energy is actually being produced. And then you obviously need all your vitamins and minerals for those enzymatic processes to occur. Um, so all of these things that I'm talking about, I rely on the diet to get the vitamins and minerals from. And um, let's say someone's been stressed for a long time. They might need certain vitamins and minerals in a greater abundance than other people because they've been depleted by the stress. So for example, vitamin B1 and 2 are very easily depleted by stress. So it often really helpful to supplement those in larger doses for a while, also niacinamide or, or some kind of NAD precursor because NAD also declines with stress and aging and stuff like that. Um, so vitamins, minerals, uh, optimizing cellular function, that, that's kind of like uh, the way I would go for it. Yeah, you mentioned paracetam and I think you've talked about that quite a bit on your website. Can you go into that supplement a little bit more? Because, I mean, I've heard about it for you know, guys in Silicon Valley, uh, popping it to, to get an edge and stuff, but, uh, I didn't, I don't know much about it. So could you talk about that? So the main reason I really like it is because it enhances the cellular function and also glucose oxidation. That's what really caught my attention from that supplement. And, um, it enhances the sensitivity of your body to glutamate and dopamine, both of which are needed for focus, motivation, drive, um, you know, all that mental processes that kind of give you that edge. So it enhances your, the sensitivity to your cells to those neurotransmitters by optimizing the cellular structure and function and glucose oxidation specifically. That's what really got my attention. So um, when you look at all the other properties that it can have, it, it might modulate GABA, it might modulate this one and that one. It's like, I don't really care about that. I just care about the, the fact that it's enhancing cellular function and energy production because of that is in check. Then all of the other neurotransmitters will work uh, as they should. So that's kind of like... Um, um, so when it comes to nootropics, like all of these uh, racetam, um, uh, these uh, what do they call it? Like the modified versions, like aniracetam, oxyracetam, nupept, all of this stuff. I'm not really that interested in nootropics um, because when I look at when, when someone comes to me and they want to optimize the brain function, it's like let's not use <laughs> the nootropics right away and let's just fix your diet first because that will make the biggest impact that you will not even need the nootropics. Um, so that's kind of like what I feel like I'm all about. It's like, this is how I want to be all the time. I don't want to be using a supplement and able to be in this state. I don't want to be, use a supplement to focus, to be happy, to have lots of energy. I want to be like that. And if you have an off day, then you might supplement with a nootropic just to help you because you're having a little bit of an off day. Yeah. What do you, uh, what do you think about nicotine as a brain booster? Um, I haven't used it myself. I haven't looked too deeply into it. I don't really care. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. But yeah, it's the thing is like it, it's helped with dopamine. I've just heard that it can be addictive, but I guess in smaller amounts, like one milligram, it can be good. I don't think I will ever use it, but I know there's a really good stack that combines nicotine, methylene blue, and I think a little bit of CBD. And I think perhaps that's one thing that I might experiment with for focus and, and stuff like that. Okay. So in the future, yeah. are there, are there any protocols out there for the brain that you have heard about or that you've read about where you just think that that is not good for the brain? Like, is there, is there a wrong way to go about helping your brain? Honestly, I'm not that, um, I don't read that much other people's blogs or forums and stuff like that. The only forum I'm really engaged in is the rapid forum. And, um, reading studies mainly. So I don't really read what other people are doing for their brains. And I guess if I read something that I don't agree with, I just kind of like block it out of my brain. Hmm. So <laughs> off the top of my head, I can't think of anything unless perhaps you can mention a few and that might uh, make me remember something. But off the top of my head, I can't really think of something like that. Okay, well, let's uh, let's move on from the brain and let's talk about uh, testosterone because your website uh, it's called Men's Elite or Elite Men's. Which one is it? <laughs> Men Elite. Men Elite. Yeah, that's right. Um, so why, you know, it's pretty well known that testosterone levels are dropping. Why do you think that they are falling in men? At, I think it's like 1% a year. Yeah, I think the biggest reason is the diet is first. First, first of all, diet. Diet's awful. It's been regressing so badly. 
Um, the increased usage of seed oils, um, highly processed food has skyrocketed. I think that's kind of like the main reason, obviously. Um, the use of chemicals have increased dramatically. So endocrine disrupting uh, chemicals that not only disrupt your steroidogenesis and everything, but also thyroid hormones and thyroid function. And we know those two are so tightly integrated. Um, so I would say diet, people are not getting the proper macronutrients. They're getting inflammatory polyunsaturated fats. Their, their diet's micronutrient-less. Um, the meat they're eating is really poor quality. It's processed. It's often have a lot of soy in it and softness that's also not good for men. And, and also when it comes to lifestyle, I think a lot of people's not getting enough sunlight. Um, they're also not really active enough. Um, what else would I say? I think that's kind of like the biggest ones. They're not sleeping. So it's social media. It's like a lot of people's like on social media too much. Hmm. So they're not sleeping enough. And when it comes to like diet, sleep, sunlight, I think that makes the biggest difference. There's obviously like Wi-Fi and stuff, but I think that's more like a, a minor problem. Um, depending on someone's sensitivity, of course. And also, before I forget, it's also environmental toxins. So whether it be mold, air pollution, uh, sound pollution, that's a big stress. So stress is a, so stress is a huge one um, for lowering androgens. And I think our society has just gone higher and higher and higher stress, um, whether it be from finances, uh, personal stress, like um, in relationship stress. All of this stress is just getting really, really out of hand. For a lot of people and that had uh, puts a big knock on your thyroid and androgens and stuff like that okay so if you have a guy who's kind of making progress with his diet he's lowering his stress but his testosterone isn't coming up are there supplements that you would recommend for that well i would first like to see a blood work um what is high what's low yeah i think it's um like I, i've seen a lot of people like i've managed my stress like oh my stress is managed but then when you look at cortisol it's still high the reverse T3 is still high, their estrogen is high, prolactin is high. It's like, okay, there's a few things that we can work on um, to lower those, and that will have a positive effect. So I wouldn't say there's just a shotgun approach except diet and getting some proper micronutrients into your system and just manage your stress harder. So um, make sure your cortisol is coming down because if cortisol starts coming down, your reverse T3 is not coming down. So you will have that thyroid resistance, which is a big problem for a lot of people. And um, obviously, when you have elevated prolactin and estrogen, that's going to be inhibiting the synthesis and the production of new testosterone. So you want to make sure those are also coming down. But those are often elevated because you have excess stress. So instead of just using an aromatase inhibitor, which is uh, depending on which one you use, it's not such a bad idea. But I would go with stress first uh, because cortisol obviously upregulates the, the conversion of testosterone to estrogen. Um, so the, the first supplements that I would go for is just make sure you get enough micronutrients. Like if your prolactin is high, you can go with zinc and vitamin B6, but get that from the diet. Like as I mentioned, people are often not having enough protein, so they don't have enough zinc or they have, because of the stress, they don't have enough stomach acid to properly digest the meat to absorb the zinc. So they have a deficiency. So now let's focus on getting that through the diet. And that's the kind of like the long-term thing. You don't want to be supplementing something for five years to the future or you know so i always want to go back to diet let's just keep it simple um but that's kind of like your fail safe approach i would say and depending on how specific someone's condition is then we can uh, incorporate certain supplements to like lower prolactin or cortisol or estrogen uh, because those are mainly the the biggest problems usually yeah you mentioned things like mold and uh, emf and stuff what do you think are the worst environmental toxins or, you know, exposure that you can have? Uh, <laughs> this is difficult to say because I've kind of like experienced them all at the same time. <laughs> so, really? So it's difficult. Yeah. So it's difficult to kind of like what, what was isolate the one of those. What was the situation you were in where you experienced all of them? So, so the flat, um, it was kind of like next to a highway. So it was a lot of taxis just like honking all the time and a lot of lights just streaming into the flat, like at night. Um, then we left next to a house that there, they had a swimming pool that was kind of like next to our wall. So it was leaking into our wall. So creating a lot of mold issues oh, in a lot of the places in the flat. And then, um, so that sound that is, um, also mold. The air, so there was a harbor not too far away. They dumped a lot of 
I don't know what exactly, but it was like iron or um, coal. So frequently when the wind was blowing, you would get this black um, dust all over in the flat because of like the wind was bringing all of those uh, toxins into the house. So we were constantly breathing in like that toxic dust, the mold being exposure, being exposed to um, the sound pollution. Also, there was there was a not safe area, so there was additional stress to people might be breaking in. So that was pretty awful. Um, there wasn't uh, any parks or anything like that, so we couldn't regularly get out and go for a walk and uh, de-stress. So that was additional stress, you know, get, not getting a lot of sunlight. So um, yeah. And the, 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 the flat was very awfully um, like heat regulated. So the summer, it was very hot. The winter was very cold <laughs> because it, it didn't uh, regulate the temperature very well. Wow. So too much stress, man. Just too much stress. Yeah. You probably had a cell phone tower on top of your flat as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Not too far away on a building top. <laughs> yeah, that sounds brutal. I, 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 would, I think I might just die if I were there, you know? I mean, it just... You know, I I know you're a bit younger, so maybe you could uh, you could handle it a little bit better. But that would be pretty rough. Yeah, man. But uh, you you can't give up. Like, um, like if you're gonna be living to nineties, maybe in the hundreds, I my my what view is always like, why give up? Like, I I guess I feel like if you give up, what are you giving up on? Like, you might get out of the situation two years. Then you still have 70 years that you could have amazing life, but you've given up. So <laughs> I always feel like you can, you're in control of your life. You can get out of that situation. And um, sure, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying give up. I'm saying if I was forced to live in a situation like that, it would just, it just kill me for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I had a, a situation where I was staying in an apartment and they installed something like 11 or 12 smart meters, like right behind my kitchen. And I've, I mean, I've told the story so many times on this podcast, but Crazy. yeah, I just, I went insane for like four months and I can't imagine being back in that situation. I, I think I would just go live in the woods or something, you know? Yep. Yeah. That's how we also felt, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So let's, uh, we talked a little bit about testosterone. Um, let's talk about anxiety and mood because it seems like uh, I think your most recent article was about something about submission and anxiety. And that's really interesting. I don't think people talk much or, or just are aware of how submissive they are, you know, how willing they are to do, um, to kind of go along with the flow, even if the flow is upsetting to them. So let's talk about that submission. What, you know, what is behind that? What is the hormonal profile behind that? What can be done about that? Just let's really dive into that. So, um, the study that I posted in that article was basically explaining that mitochondrial dysfunction, if you have low energy, that creates anxiety and submissiveness. But other than that, there's also low testosterone and high cortisol and potentially also high serotonin. So like the reason why I don't really like to focus on something like serotonin in isolation is because it's high for a reason or it's it's dysfunctional. Like you have a dysfunction in dopamine, serotonin, it's dysfunctional for a reason. So if someone uses a serotonin antagonist, they might feel better, but it's not going to solve the problem because they're only addressing a symptom. That's kind of like the way I feel about it now. Hmm. So that's why I really want to focus on the cellular energy production. And yes, serotonin does inhibit cellular energy production. So it depends on why is your serotonin high. And yeah, I think it could be a good idea to temporarily inhibit it to fix that submission. Um, but I think like just getting out of that situation that is creating that submission is obviously a good idea. So there's a few reasons people are not getting enough environmental enrichment. So they're kind of like constantly caged. I think that over time creates that submissive, um, kind of like learned helplessness state. And what do you, what do you mean by caged? In their houses, they're not getting out. Like, I don't think people realize how big of an effect it has on you if you don't get out. Like, we have experienced this in the, in the previous flat that we lived because we couldn't get out a lot. And it was like, okay, we're feeling okay, we're feeling good. But then once you just get out of the house and you go somewhere, you go to the beach, you go out, get some fresh air, grounding, sunlight. It's like, wow, I feel so amazing. It's like, oh, I don't want to go back. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, that kind of like puts you in a state where, okay, we're just going to sloth on with our lives. We just have to endure this. And I think the longer you endure, the more you feel like this is okay. 
And okay. that's why there are studies with LSD where they snap people out of that reality. They get a third person's perspective. It's like, oh my gosh, I have to change my life. My life is horrible. And um, yeah. Hmm. So yeah, I think it's really important just to get environmental enrichment just get out of the house, you know? Yeah, that's really interesting that you become more and more okay with it. And isn't that kind of how serotonin is supposed to work? It's supposed to kind of shrink your reality and so you feel better? Even though you're not in a better place, you feel better about being caged? Yeah, there there was quite a few studies looking at that, um, creating some kind of um, patience, a futile patience, where you just waited out, waiting for someone else to change your circumstances. It creates that um, uh, where you are more likely to give away something that you have to someone, like to their aggression. So you're you're more in that submissive state. Basically, what I'm saying, although people that with or this is a lot of animal studies, so it's difficult to extrapolate to humans because there's a lot of animal studies looking at this, and there are a lot of differences between humans and animals that I've come across. Um, but yeah, like gotcha. learned helplessness is awful. Yeah, I you know, I can definitely relate to that. I I think a big part of why I am healthier than I would be is because of my job. Uh, I'm in outside sales, so I'm always literally every day driving to some new place to talk to people who I haven't talked to in a while or new people. And there's always a sense of adventure behind that always like a I'm, I'm going to discover something new there's always something new on the horizon and i think i really think that does add to my health it, it adds a little bit more pep in my step every single day yeah i think that's true um a lot of people that are so afraid to step out of their box but they don't really realize how beneficial it would be if they actually do that yeah okay so you've got all of these protocols that you've put out uh, and you have, you've put out a ton, you know, from asthma to depression to hormonal problems. Um, and what you're kind of saying, if I hear you right, is that a lot of those protocols may help band-aid things, but diet is the real diet and environmental factors. They're the real, uh, I don't know what the word would be. Uh, they're, they're the real foundation for somebody's health. Is that, am I summing that up right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's, that's kind of like the approach that I've uh, come to like obviously you get more intense um, psychological problems like say, say someone with OCD like there are cases where you help someone with the diet and lifestyle everything's perfect but they still have OCD or they still have PSSD and then you have to go more into the details and the weeds and everything but uh, just fixing someone's foundation is most likely going to, to fix them or heal them so to speak like 80 to 90 percent and then you can do more specific testing to find out like where specifically should we continue to tweak. Okay. So is there, you know, you coach people, is there, if somebody comes to you with a disease or a problem or something, is there a problem that you think like, oh yeah, I've seen this a million times, you know, take these things, make these changes and you're good to go. I mean, is there some protocol or some, you know, sickness or whatnot that you feel that way about? (laughs) I would say a lot of people, I, it's almost immediate, like, okay, you have gut issues. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's kind of like the first thing that jumped out to me. And then, okay, let's have a look at your diet. It's like, okay, yes, yes, it's obvious. And then we change it, and then they start to feel better. But um, I don't really have a supplemental protocol that I just give people, you know, like, let's address the diet, let's address the thyroid. Oftentimes, they feel a lot better with those things in. Um, Are there any protocols that you've put out that you look back on now and you think that they didn't really perform the way you were hoping for? No, I, I don't think so. Um, like all of these stacks that I've put out, like whether it be for erections or uh, libido or testosterone, um, uh, like dopamine, all of those perform really well. Um, but it's just that it's it's difficult to continue to do them long term. Like I'm, I'm thinking specifically of the GABA taurine stack. So it works for like three days and then it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> what, what stack so is it, that? The taurine and GABA. Okay, so you're taking those for two erections. supplements together for erectile health? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, not for me specifically. I mean, like, <laughs> I've just been experimenting and then noticed, like, wow, I noticed something. Um, but, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of, like, how I sometimes come across really cool, like, stacks. That was an accident I discovered. But, yeah, when I'm thinking about that one, that one worked really good, but it kind of, like, loses its effectiveness after a few days of continual use. So it's best to to cycle that one, kind of like two days a week or something like that. 
Why do you think it loses when, its effectiveness? Well, I'm going to be speculating here like crazy, but I've been thinking about why do people get erectile dysfunction? And even when they use something like, uh, like a nitric oxide booster. So my theory is that getting an erection can be harmful for you. So if you induce an erection too frequently, that creates reactive oxygen species and damages the tissue in the penis, and that leads to long-term problems. And this is backed up. I'm not sucking this all out of my thumb. This is actually backed up with people that have priapism. So they have involuntary erections without any kind of stimulus for multiple hours. And that is harmful. Now, you might say, okay, well, that's an extreme condition. Well, a lot of people are masturbating and they have... Um, so first of all, you have that mechanical stress on the penis. And then you also have... I think a lot of people actually take nitric oxide boosters to get an erection just to masturbate, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. So this is this state where you have you don't have enough um, antioxidant systems, like you don't have enough superoxide, dismutase, catalase, or glutathione to quench up the oxidative stress being created. So you're creating a lot of reactive oxygen species that's damage, damaging the tissue, making it more unresponsive in the future. And that's why people can like have that deterioration and fibrosis. That's why they become absolutely unresponsive to um, nitric oxide and stuff like that. So um, speculating even more, there are different kinds of nitric oxide boosters like Viagra, which is a half-life of four to five hours, which I think is less harmful than a nitric oxide booster that inhibits uh, the enzyme. So you have for like th uh, two to three days. So there's obviously a difference between the duration that you are being exposed to that chronically high and nitric oxide. So obviously, if you use Viagra every single day, you're going to be exposed much more than someone that only uses on it once a week. Um, so that's just kind of like my speculation there. Okay. Um, that's a really interesting saying, sucking it out of my thumb. Is that like a South African saying? <laughs> I've never heard that. <laughs> it must be. <laughs> yeah, here it's pulling it out of your butt. That's the saying. <laughs> yeah. I'm not just pulling yeah. this out of my butt, guys. Like, I'm, this is this is real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. So what, uh, you know, you're obviously really heavily influenced by Ray Pete. Um, are there other researchers that you find value in as well that you've gleaned a lot from? Um, I would say Peter Atia. He is doing really good work. I wouldn't say really good work. Like I have to pick my words so carefully because when this podcast comes out, people's like, well, you're going to be, you had said this and that. And <laughs> that's not exactly what I mean you know so just because i listen to someone does not mean i accept everything that that person is saying i was like okay this is really interesting i can research that for myself so the reason why i mentioned peter atia is because um he has been more and more speaking along the lines of repeat um when it comes to like a few things that i forgot anyway so he is he's relatively on top of his stuff then we have uh, paul saladino he's doing a really good job at defending um meat, uh, saturated fat, and uh, showing the harms of the polyunsaturated fat, and also talking about gut problems. So I think that's really cool. And isn't, um, isn't Saladino, didn't he go keto or carnivore or something, and then he stopped doing that? Or I don't know, am I remembering right who that guy is? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so what what bothers me from Paul Saladino, I, sh I sh probably shouldn't say this on the air, but is that people like him, they do a diet like the carnivore diet. They get side effects. They never talk about it. Then they reintroduce carbohydrates and say, oh, I experienced cold hands and feet, electrolyte problems, et cetera, et cetera. But he would never say I had hypothyroidism. So all of those symptoms that he described was because he had hypothyroidism and his diet didn't work for him. So, okay. yeah, that's that guy. But, but uh, I would say the, the reason why I sort of like him is because he is after the truth. He might be like extreme in certain cases, but he does seek the truth in my opinion. Hmm. Um, and then other people that this is just kind of like in the health sphere. Um, so there's a few other people like in the bodybuilding world to a degree. Okay. What, uh, what are your personal favorite supplements? Like, what do you take? I take collagen, um, for lifting. I take essential amino acids, sodium bicarbonates, one of my favorite ones. Um, aspirin, obviously that's, uh, in the list. I'm currently using GABA for sleep, experimenting with that again a little bit. Um, for your erection problems? Using... <laughs> no, no. Just kidding. Um, 
Yeah. Um, what else? Like Pyroset a little bit infrequently, too, too infrequently for my liking. But yeah, like when you reach a point where you feel like really good, you don't notice much from supplements. So that's why I don't really use supplements. Also, Paracetam every now and again. Um, what else? I'm using Harmelan at the moment. So I, I got a sample from Georgie. I'm putting that in my belly button. What, uh, and what's in that one? I don't think I've seen that one. So that's a 10 methoxyharmalon. It's not out yet. He just sent me a sample. Um, it's basically a serotonin antagonist with almost the same potency to LSD. But the thing is, like, it doesn't have research on it other than that, that it's known as a serotonin antagonist. So we don't know at which receptor hmm. it is an antagonist or agonist, and we don't know any of the other properties that it have. But um, currently, I think I feel something mild i i don't know <laughs> like I, I will be speculating if i say i feel anything yeah that's interesting you know one of the things i wonder about serotonin antagonists and just dopamine agonists i know dopamine agonists are a little iffy like you don't want to take those long term but just stuff in general that raises dopamine i you know i at first like when, when i was reading about ray pete and stuff i was like yeah dopamine's the way and dopamine makes you feel great but as i've experimented more and more with it i found that it does give you not a numbness, but kind of like a, a, a you don't care as much about things. It kind of makes you a little bit more, I think robotic is the wrong word because you're obviously dynamic and you're, you're you know, focused on what's happening in the future, but it's almost like you care less. You have less empathy. Do you find that at all? Um, so it depends on what you're using, of course. So the, the I think the, the dopamine agonists, okay, so I've used Makuna prurience and 98% extract didn't feel anything. I used, and it was, a, I was, it was good quality. I made sure it was good quality. Then I used Kratom. So that's a, as a dopamine agonist property. And if you use it long enough, it can actually increase the, the release of dopamine in the body as well. But I only used it very occasionally. And from that one, I felt good, but it has a lot of other effects as well. So I can't say I felt good because of the dopamine, you know. Um, the other one was Phenobit which I use very infrequently and I just feel great. So I have never really used a dopamine agonist um, long-term to notice something like that. Are you talking about a specific dopamine agonist? No, I just, you know, what I, I mean, I've taken a ton of supplements and experimented with, with lots of supplements and sometimes those supplements will be some kind of, you know, raises dopamine or something along those lines. And I've just noticed that I have less empathy while I'm on them. Like, it's like I'm less connected to my heart. And I don't know, I wanted to see if you had noticed anything like that, but it doesn't sound like it. Well, um, yeah, no, I, I can't see I say I have, but I like to become philosophical when people talk about their feelings because, you know, you know, that's just another rabbit hole to go into. But usually when people talk about that, I just like to ask them questions specifically about what do they perceive as, whatever feeling they're describing you know yeah i think with dopamine you become so goal oriented you know it's like it's like you're throwing a spear and you're totally focused on the target that it's almost like there's no headspace for how you're feeling about it or you know or silly things like that <laughs> or something something along those lines I, yeah i think i think i can relate to that feeling um so like for example when i'm reading studies or i'm currently really busy with uh, creating content I get really immersed in the content and then it's kind of like difficult for me to like snap out of it's like oh I have to get okay, okay I have to like disengage from what I'm doing um, I think just because I really like what I'm doing and I just want to get it done and I'm kind of like in the flow but I wouldn't say I really feel uh, robotic I, I always thought that an experience that dopamine makes you feel more euphoric and perhaps it's just the approach that I use like I like to enhance my dopamine just by all the things that we described today, enhancing energy production, having enough glucose, and then perhaps using something like a paracetam, B1, pyrocet, all of those stuff increase glucose oxidation, enhance dopamine, and then I just feel euphoric, so yeah. uh, in, instead of robotic. Okay. Well, we're coming up on the hour mark, so I uh, just got a couple more questions here for you. Are there any particularly interesting coaching client stories that you could share? Um, it depends on what you see as interesting, but, um, things that you find interesting, uh, honestly, I, I don't think so. Um, the only thing is like, is when people have placebo, you know what I mean? And it's like, they think something is the cause of it 
because they've read somewhere that it might have been the cause. Like this is a really good example. I was speaking to a guy that works in TRT clinic and he said that the reference range for progesterone was above one. And then as the population got kind of like sicker, they reanalyzed that reference range and reduced it to below one. So now someone that's normal have a progesterone level of above one and they have erectile problems. So they Google like, okay, what's the symptoms of high progesterone? And then all of these side effects like erectile dysfunction and like anhedonia or whatever comes up. It's like, oh, I have to lower my progesterone. Hmm. But it's actually not the progesterone that's the problem. So I think a lot of people just placebo themselves into feeling a certain way um, because something on their lab says that or they've read it somewhere that's supposed to cause it. And I think people just draw a lot of inappropriate correlations. Um, but yeah, that's that's not really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Um, so is there are there any protocols out there that you see posted? I mean, I know you said that when you see something you disagree with, you kind of just zone it out. But uh, are there any protocols or sayings uh, you see in the news that you think, man, that is just terrible health advice? Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> um, one of the biggest ones that irritates me is when people say uh, carbs are bad for you. It's like inflammatory. It causes diabetes and all this. That just inflames me. Um, what else? So carbs is the biggest one. I think also if people are just, you know, you have to do intermittent fasting, you have to do fasting, that kind of like ticks me off a little bit. Um, I think a lot of stuff in the longevity sphere is kind of like a little bit irritating because a lot of this stuff is proven on animals and we have no evidence that it's, it does the same effect in human and we don't even have good longevity markers. So yeah, it might regulate telomeres. It doesn't mean anything. So a lot of people is like overly anal about certain supplements as opposed to do something but it doesn't but yeah okay well i think this has been good i really wanted to like my goal with this podcast was to just get a handle on your experience you know because you're coaching people you're doing all this research and whenever somebody is in that position they're gonna start picking up on things they're gonna start seeing things that matter you know they're gonna find out what's relevant and what's relevant is so crucial in this business, you know, in this, in this health world, in the natural world, because there are so many different supplements. There are so many different diets, so many different protocols out there. And somebody who's new to it or just looking around, it's easy to get overwhelmed and be like, I don't, I don't know, you know, what to look at. So I really wanted to get a sense of like, you know, what wisdom you have gleaned. And it sounds like from what you've said, it's all about the gut. It's all about diet. It's all about these environmental factors. Yes, exactly. Like exactly as you said, like people are overwhelmed by the amount of supplements and protocols out there. So I just really want to keep it simple because that's kind of like the things that makes the most difference. Like as an analogy, it's like if someone wants to build muscle, like, okay, what's the best supplements I can use? Well, let's first start by eating like 3000 to 4000 calories mm -hmm. and start lifting weights. You know, that's going to take care of like 99% of your gains. And then the supplement might make a percent of a difference. Yeah. Okay. So how can people find you and uh, what is your website and are you working on anything new right now? So they can find me at menelite.com. So it's a main dash or is that the, what's that the horizontal line? So it's a main horizontal line elite.com. That's my website. Um, I'm on Instagram. I try to be active. I'm mostly active on YouTube. So I, I post a lot of videos there where I don't necessarily write articles about um, so what I'm currently working on is we are refining the nutrition course just because that is so essential. And I think like we're just trying to overcome the the obstacles that people have when it comes to actually changing their diet and stuff. So that's kind of the biggest thing we're working on. And um, yeah, I think also if people really want to get more of uh, what I have to offer, they can uh, sign up for my newsletter. That's where I share a bunch of research, both for health and lifting and everything like that nootropics and whatnot in the newsletter on a weekly basis that I don't share anywhere else on the website and social media. So I think that's also a very good place for people if they want to sign up. I also let people know like if I created new content, so if they don't necessarily follow me on YouTube or Instagram, that's uh, where I kind of like collect everything and share with people. All right, man. Anything else uh, you want to cover before we wrap it up? I think that's all. I just want to say really appreciate this opportunity, man. All right, that was uh, Hans Amato with some great information and experience to give us. I always enjoy chatting with health coaches and doctors to get their perspective on what they are seeing out there, 
one thing I, I miss about working in a health food store and what I miss about Brian being around here too is just hearing about what is working for people. And, uh, you know, I get a little bit of a taste of that when I chat with people like Hans. So if you want to know more about Hans and the services he offers, the links are in the show notes. His newsletter sounds pretty awesome. I would uh, definitely subscribe to that if you want to get an idea of his content. I think it's like 10 bucks a month or so, uh, but you can go to his website. You can read old issues to see if it's something that you're interested in. Uh, Also, please do remember about subscribing to Quacks as a podcast instead of, or in addition to on YouTube in case I do get booted again. That's all folks. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you again in two weeks. Be well.